We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420. The answer. Into hour number two now. Eight minutes after 10 o'clock on a Monday. It's the 24th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And we are guest-free the rest of the way. So guess what? That means plenty of opportunities for you. Dial it up, 216-901-0945, Were you at the Battleground? The Battleground Talkers Tour at the IX Center on Saturday. If you were there, I would love to get your reaction. Did you find anything of use? I found a lot of things of use. I contributed some, but I mean, I learned from my four panelists, from Hugh Hewitt, Brandon Tatum, Eric Metaxas, and Peter Kirstenau a lot. Uh, even if some of it I already knew, but just better ways to phrase it. Uh, I really appreciated that. I'm going to try to play some of that for you. I was just told in the last segment, actually, by Marianne, who um, uh, answers our phones for us and helps produce the show, that we have... Um, uh, full audio of the entire event. And uh, once I start to pick it apart over the next day or two, I'll, I'll probably share some of what you may have missed from some of the uh, panelists so that you can take that information again. What's the goal here? You know, it's not about preaching to the choir. It's not about preaching to the converted. It's not about, hey, we're, you know, we're Republicans, we're conservatives, we're red meat eaters, and we're just going to go and, uh, you know, and, and go crazy on that. <clears throat> we're already going to vote. But it's about getting other people involved. And I'm going to tell you a quick little story here. We had a, a lady who was in attendance on, uh, on Saturday. And uh, I was handed her name uh, by one of our event organizers before the show, because apparently she, she approached them. And uh, before the uh, event began, um, they gave me her name and said she's got an important message that she wants to share. It's a text message she received. And I said, what's it about? And they said, you'll just have to wait and see. And so we got down to the end of the, the, the show, the performance, the presentation, whatever you know, the panel discussion. And I said, okay. Um, and I called out her name, and I, I don't think I saved the, sheet, the little slip, the little piece of paper, so I don't remember her name. But I called out her name, and I said, I'm told you had something to share. So we got a microphone in front of her, and she read it to us. And what it was is a progressive action organization texting people and saying, hey, Jane, Joan, Steve, Tom, Jim, whatever. Um, we are paying Democrats like you $250 per, per week to rally votes and get people to go and register to vote. Democrat. And it was like, wow, it was kind of an astounding thing. There was a kind of a, a gasp in the crowd. And I thought, wait a minute, is that legal? And then I pondered, I actually asked somebody about it after the fact, too. I said, is that even legal to pay people to go out there and rally votes for your, your candidates? And the answer is, yes, it is, um, as it turns out. The answer is, yes, it is. 
you can't pay people for their votes. You can't pay them to influence their votes. But you can pay people to organize and rally as contractors, contracted campaign organizers or campaign uh, people. You know, obviously there are volunteers who do this anyway. And if you're not getting enough volunteers, what you can do is pay them to go out there and, and do this and to try to, you know, get people registered and people that you think will vote your way. You're just not allowed to try to convince them and pay them. You can't pay them, but you can pay the organizers. But the, it still sounded very shady. And it still sounded kind of, well, it sounded like desperation to me, and that's the way I introduced it. But uh, Brandon Tatum uh, and Hugh Hewitt jumped up and said, you know, um, not only is it is it you know not illegal, we should be doing the same thing. we got to be fired up. we got to fight fire with fire. Do it the way they're doing it. Pay people to go out. And that's fine. I told BT, Brandon Tatum, I said, that's, uh, you know what, you're not wrong. But then I asked the crowd. How many of you, by around, by show of applause, how many people here would rather go out there and kick the Democrats' butts in in November for free? And the crowd answered the question. And that's my point. You don't need to pay us to save the country. You don't need to pay us $250 to tell our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and our uh, you know fantasy football team owners and whatever other you know little social groups you may have your social media friends and circles, your email groups, your chat groups, your text groups. We don't need to be paid to do what's right because what we're trying to do isn't for our own benefit; it's for our country's benefit. I don't need to be paid to go out there and speak to groups. I don't need to tell, uh, be paid to go tell, neither do you, to go tell all of the people that we know, this is why it's so important for you to vote for J.D. Vance. This is why it's so important for you to vote yes on issue one. This is why it's so important for you to vote yes on issue issue two. Why it's so important for you to vote for Lee Weingarten, for Calgary County Executive. Why it's so important for you to vote for Sharon Kennedy and Pat Fisher and Pat DeWine in the Ohio Supreme Court. The reason is because our city, our state, our, country, our region, and our country need to be rescued from the extraordinarily dangerous and damaging policies of the Biden administration and of Democrats who control at the state and local levels and county levels across the country. We, I, you know, I mean, I'm not saying there aren't. Maybe there are Republican organizations offering to pay, too, but I can tell you this. I'm not going to be part of it, and not, neither will anybody who was in that crowd. Everybody who was in that crowd applauded, and I think may have stood and cheered as I said, let's go kick their butts for free. Let's go get the votes out there to do what's right for the country, not just because somebody's going to give us a check. The check is, is, a, is a cry of desperation. Paying people to go out there and try to vote Democrat is desperation on the part of the Democrats. So I walk, again, if you were there, uh, you know what I'm talking about. If you want to speak to it, you can dial 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. One other quickie on uh, the Battleground Tour on uh, Saturday that we had. I asked uh, somewhat near the end of the debate, or uh, not debate, excuse me, the uh, panel discussion, I asked uh, the audience members three questions. Number one, how many of you were in J.D. Vance's camp during the primaries? And I would say maybe a fourth or so of the crowd put their hands in the air, which means three-fourths wanted either Mandel or, or Gibbons or, or Timken or Dolan or whatever. But then I said, okay. I said, once he won the primary, how many of you became J.D. Vance supporters? And I think every hand in the room shot up, which is exactly how it ought to be. But then the third question I asked our panel, or excuse me, our audience at that panel discussion was, 
How many of you know somebody, friends or family members, who still aren't there, who aren't sure they're going to vote for and support J.D. Vance? And I'd say about half of the room raised their hands. And again, I said, that's why you're here. You need to take what you just heard from Eric Metaxas and Peter Kersenow and Hugh Hewitt and Brandon Tatum back to them and explain to them the importance of voting for J.D. Vance in this election. If you don't believe that J.D. Vance is 100% going to be the conservative warrior that, say, Ted Cruz is, or you know, a libertarian conservative like uh, Rand Paul is, or a Tom Cotton, or whatever, um, you, need to, you need to change your basis of comparison. Don't compare him to them. Compare him to Tim Ryan. That's who he's running against. And Tim Ryan is a straight-up communist based on his far left 100% of the time with Pelosi and Schumer voting record. He's never bucked his own party. He is 100% lockstep with the socialists in his party. And so if you know that a guy is a guaranteed rubber stamp yes vote for packing the court, which Tim Ryan is, if you know a guy is a guaranteed rubber stamp yes vote for uh, uh, abolishing the filibuster, which Tim Ryan is. If you know that he is a guaranteed 100% rubber stamp yes vote on making Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico states, adding four more left-wing senators to the group, thus assuring a permanent majority, which Tim Ryan is. If you know that Tim Ryan is a guaranteed rubber stamp 100% yes vote on legalizing 12 million illegal aliens and giving them voting rights, which they will do if they abolish the filibuster. And that's what Tim Ryan is. Then you do everything you can to make sure Tim Ryan doesn't get to the Senate. And you might say to yourself, well, I had a guy last night I was texting with, a friend. A guy who's pretty smart, actually, who said to me, I don't like either one of them. I was like, what is wrong with you? Well, I just don't trust that Vance is going to be as good as I want him to be. If he's better than Ryan by 1%, then you vote for him and you crawl across hot coals to get there. Because the ramifications, if you don't, are so dire. The entire country is at stake here. You understand that? Every one of these battleground Senate seats must be won by the Republican. Or we lose the country the country. Do you understand that? So if J.D. Van, and I've said this before, you know, if, if Tim Ryan is 100% guaranteed to be the rubber stamp yes vote on all those dangerous, dangerous things, and if, if J.D. Vance is, let's just say for the sake of discussion, that he's 95% sure that he'd vote the same way Tim Ryan is. And that's not the case, of course. Not at all. He opposes all of those things. But if he was, then you would still give yourself the 5% chance that he won't, and you would vote for him, right? Well, take my word for this. He is absolutely 100% opposed to all of those things that Tim Ryan will be a dangerous yes vote on. So how you don't, like I said, get up and beat the streets and and get your, 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 your friends and family members and social circles and so forth together to say get out there and vote for J.D. Vance the same way the people in Arizona absolutely must vote for Blake Masters, the same way people in Pennsylvania absolutely must support uh, Dr. Oz, even if they're not perfect conservatives, 
And by the way, Dr. Oz isn't a perfect conservative, but John Fetterman is, I won't even say all of the words I, you know, that I believe about him, because it would put our license in jeopardy. But my goodness gracious, you can't allow a person like that into the United States Senate. And you certainly cannot allow Tim Ryan into the United States Senate. Every one of these races matters. So big, so big. We can take back the House majority, and that's fine. But that will always be in play. The Senate majority, let me, let me, I'm just going to backtrack for two seconds. Two years ago, when the election of 2020 was stolen, and yes, don't, don't, don't even try me. Don't even try me. I absolutely believe it was stolen. There is so much copious evidence, it's not even funny. No matter what the media wants to tell you, no matter what the left wants to tell you. But in 2020, when the uh, election was stolen, and we realized that the Democrats were going to have a majority in the House, a 50-50, excuse me, but tiebreaker majority with Kamala Harris in the Senate, and Biden was going to be the president. I spoke to a few groups, including Medina County Friends and Neighbors, and they basically were saying, what do we do now? And um, not that I have all the answers, of course, but if you're asking me, I will give you my answer. And my answer at that time, you've probably heard me say this before, was tread water for two years. We can stay afloat and keep our head above water for two years because the majority in the Senate is only a tiebreaker majority. It's a 50-50. So if we can just keep a moderate or slightly moderate or less than socialist radical Democrat senator from going along with the most radical types of legislation. And, of course, I was speaking, as we all have, of Joe Manchin. Turns out Kirsten Cinema was, was pretty good for some of this, too. If we can stop them from going along with the, going along with the most radical stuff, um, we can stay afloat until 2022, and then we win back the majority. And I believed it at the time. It was my way of providing hope. It was my way of providing a, uh, you know, a way for all of us to stay engaged and not just hang our heads and say we've lost and we've lost the country. And uh, and I meant it. Well, now we're two weeks away from that period of time that I said. I said in two years, um, we'll have a chance to to not just stay afloat, but actually start riding riding the tide, riding the wave, if you will. Well, now we're here. Now we're at that point. And this time, I'm going to, what I would say is something very, very different than what I said then. When I said, now ah, just stay afloat, it's only two more years. If we don't stop them from winning at least 52 seats in the Senate, I won't be saying, don't worry, in two years we'll have a new president. Don't worry, we just keep our head above water and stay afloat, tread water. We'll, we, we'll win the presidency in two years. It won't matter. Do you understand that? Biden has already acknowledged their plans. If they can take at least 52 Senate seats, if they can increase their 50-50 tiebreak majority to a 52-48 majority, it's all they need to abolish the filibuster and to do all of the things that I just laid out that will guarantee that they will never lose another election. And then it won't matter who the president is, because the president, even if he is a Republican, would be hamstrung by that uh, a permanent majority for the Democrats in the Senate. Even if the House may flip from time to time, and as the pendulum tends to, to dictate, um, it, will, it will, I'm sorry, the country will not be survivable, 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 excuse me. Uh, it will never be, it will never look the way that it does now. 
It'll never look the way that it has over the course of the glorious history of this country. So that's how big this is. This is so much bigger than the 2020 election. This one matters so much more because we're talking about uh, a majority that would do so much damage to the country that it is never, ever, ever able to be swung back in the other direction again. So that's why, even if you are uh, lukewarm on J.D. Vance, you do what you ta- you have to do. Do what it takes to get there. If you are, for some reason, and by the way, I think J.D. Vance has said and done all of the right things since that primary season to convince you that he's the guy. He has for me. I can promise you that. I'm endorsing him wholeheartedly. And if you've got friends, like the people in that crowd told me when, by their show of their hands, uh, they have friends who are not all in on J.D. Vance and may not vote for him. They may just leave the uh, uh, Senate race blank. They won't vote for Ryan, but they won't vote for J.D. Um, this is what you have to tell them. This is what you need to explain to them. That if we lose the majority in the Senate this time, and it's more than just a 50-50, uh, there's no coming back. You've got to vote for every Republican in every Senate race. Ten I'll be right back. It's 1027. Let's take a call or two here before the bottom of the hour. And we're going to go to Grafton, which is kind of my neck of the woods in Lorain County. Jeannie, thank you for joining us. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. Thanks. It's great to hear you today on a Monday. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Okay. Well, I was listening when you were speaking with um, Jim Jordan. And there is, in Ohio, as of June 24th, a um, petition called Medical Right to Refuse. And I've been taking petitions around, and a lot of other people are. And what that does is, number one, it does three things, but number one is the individual's right to refuse any medical procedure, treatment, injection, vaccine, prophylactic, pharmaceutical, or medical device shall be absolute. Number two, no law, rule, regulation, person, employer, entity, or healthcare provider shall require, mandate, or coerce any person to receive or use a medical procedure, treatment, injection. It goes on and on with that. And the last one is no other provision in the Ohio Constitution shall impair or limit the rights contained therein. So you can go, and anybody can go to www.medicalright, with the letter, or I mean the number two, refuse.com. And you can get a packet. You can start taking out signatures. You know, you can petitions. You can um Okay, Jeannie, let me let me jump in. Let, let me jump in here because petitions are great. However, right. they're only as great as their destination. What is True. the goal? To whom are the petitions being given and what is the ask? Um it is let me think now. Um you need to get 442,958 signatures and the earliest it could be on the ballot is May of the 2023 election. And the people that sent this out. I'm, so this I'm is for so this is for a constitutional amendment, an Ohio Correct. constitutional amendment. Correct. Okay. Yes. So we're not we're not we're not turning this into our representatives in Columbus no, and asking no, 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 them no. to pass something. No, and there's a committee to represent petitioners, and it lists all the people. And uh, again, everything is at that uh, um, email. Or, I mean that address I told you. Okay, www. Give, give that to me again. Dot, yes. Okay. www.medicalright.com. The number two, refuse.com. 
MedicalRightToRefuse.com. That's hugely important. And Jeannie, thank you so much for the call. We got to get to our news here. Uh, we'll talk well, more. Have a great day. Thank you so much. You too. We'll talk more about that on the other side. We do have to fight back against what the CDC is planning and the federal government. We'll be back. Taylor Media Group. Good morning. It's 60 degrees in Cleveland, 59 degrees in Akron. I'm Bill Trafero. Weather and traffic, we've got the answer. Sunshine and high 70-degree temperatures today, 52, our evening low. Partly sunny for your Tuesday, 73 degrees. Overnight, we have a 70% chance of evening rainfall. That's your weather. Let's take a look at traffic. It's an accident-free ride on the major roadways, and road construction has the left lane closed on 90 westbound after East 185th Street. The support is sponsored by Audible. The best audio entertainment this fall is on Audible. It's the home of storytelling with audiobooks, exclusive originals, popular podcasts, and more. All in one app. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at audible.com. That's your traffic update. I'm John Crawford on AM 1420, The Answer. The cause of a weekend fire in South Collinwood remains unknown this morning. The Saturday blaze at an East 141st Street property left six people without homes. There was no report of anyone being injured. In Sandusky County, firefighters are being credited with rescuing a drowning man. First responders called to the scene near East Shoreline Drive Saturday night worked together to pull the victim from the Sandusky Bay. There's been no word on how the victim came to be in that water. A consumer product recall has Cleveland shoppers checking their refrigerators for sausage this morning. Bob Evans Farms has issued a recall of more than 7,500 one-pound packages of the company's Italian pork sausages. In sports, a comeback victory not in the cards for the Browns as they lost the Ravens 23-20 in Baltimore. The Browns next in action, Halloween night at home against the Bengals. I'm Bill Trefero. Bob France continues here on AM 1420. This is AM 1420, The Answer, WHK, W273DG, Cleveland, a service of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Always remember and never forget. Ain't but two genders, two genders, ain't nothing but men and women. No matter what they try to tell you. Do not let them change impossibly immutable, not impossibly, but immutable facts, biological facts that are impossible to change. Welcome, 1037, we continue. Uh, I took a look at the uh, link um, that our caller from Grafton, Jeannie, brought up. It's exactly what she described. First of all, it's at uh, medicalright2refuse.com. The two is the number two, not a T-O. Medicalright2refuse.com. And it is, it uh, puts into very great detail uh, the constitutional amendment, what its goal is, what the Constitution currently says, what what the right to refuse really means. Um, it's all laid out. And there is also a great place there for you to download the signature collector, collector packet that Jeannie just talked about, including instructions on how to collect signatures. Once you've collected them, mailing them to... Um, uh, to the organization here that started this, it looks like, and um, and this is what it's going to take. It's going to take a massive effort. Four hundred forty-two thousand signatures is going to require seven hundred fifty thousand signatures. That's just the way these things go. <clears throat> That's what, one of the reasons why I said what I said to uh, to Jeannie. Petitions are great, but they're only as great as the organization to whom you are sending them and what their intention is with them. And then it's also only as great as those who are counting the petitions and dis- uh, deciding on their validity. If there's any question about signature matches or, 
you know, anything that might be um, remotely challengeable, they will be challenged. And that's why you almost always need to get close to double the amount of signatures before you try to get uh, something on a, something like the Ohio Constitution, because they're going to reject a ton of those signatures. So, But it's a great effort, and that's what we're talking about. If you don't know why Jeannie called me... <clears throat> and don't know what we're talking about. Let me just lay this out for you super quick, and then I'll go back to the phone calls. Um, The CDC last week, I talked about this briefly on Friday, I believe. The CDC last week voted, um, and it was unanimous, I think it was 15 to nothing on their, their board, to require or to recommend requiring COVID-19 vaccines for your children um, as part of their regular inoculation or vac- vaccination schedule. You know, you always get the MMR, MMR, MMR uh, which is what, measles, mumps, and rubella. Um, I'm trying to remember the other the other vaccines in the schedule. Obviously, I've got two kids who went through it a long time ago. Um, and, and I'm not even talking, by the by, about those. Those particular vaccines are also in serious question for a lot of people. Now, maybe not to the level that COVID-19 vaccines are because they're not actually vaccines but of course there is plenty of evidence a lot of research done about the potential danger of some of those childhood vaccinations uh talking about mercury being included in the uh, uh in the shots and about potentially causing autism and so forth i'm not even having that debate that is a fight that's been going on for decades i'm not even going there but just for the sake of discussion let's say that you have because most parents do agree to put those vaccines into your kids now they want to add the COVID-19 vaccine. And for what reason? It was a virus that had a 99.7% recovery rate for people not in high-risk categories with pre-existing conditions. People over 75 years of age with, um, um, you know, with, uh, with pre-existing conditions, they were the ones who were in the most jeopardy. And children were almost essentially not affected at all. And the idea that this should be required of every child, let me put it to you this way. Here's how popular it is. And I quoted Alex Berenson, who did the research on this last week. Um, 2%, 2% of parents have gotten their kids vaccinated since they uh, granted the emergency use authorization at the FDA for the shots for six months of age to five years of age. In other words, 98% of parents are saying, no way, not my kids, not doing it, no way. And now the CDC wants everybody to have to do it. And the question becomes, can the CDC make you do that? The CDC can't. CDC has no mandating powers whatsoever. But the CDC is listened to by, as a matter of fact, because they're funded by, it's a federal agency, and and the president gets to pick the head of the agency. And in this case, it's Rochelle Walensky. And the president is Joe Biden. And what they can do is say, CDC guidance says that it's safer for everybody to get these jabs in your kids' arms, so do it or they can't come to school. They say, well, the president can't do that either. That's true. That's up to each individual school district. But each each individual school district gets its funding from where? Well, in addition to property taxes, from the state. And the state gets its funding from where? From the federal government. So massive amounts of money change hands between federal government, state government, and then doled out to the individual school districts. And if the individual school districts want their money to keep coming in, they better please the state. In our state, the governor is Mike DeWine. In our state, the governor is a man who gave away millions of Ohio taxpayer dollars and federal dollars 
to people to get vaccinated. He had to buy them off because people didn't want it. He bought them off with lotteries, lottery winnings. If you get your vaccine, you're automatically entered into the lottery. Then it was uh, college scholarships. If you're between 18 and 22, get your shot, and we'll put you in the running for a free uh, college education. This guy is so devoted to the shots, Mike DeWine. Do you really think he's going to buck the federal government when they say less federal dollars to you if you don't tell your school districts in your state to comply? Of course he won't. He won't buck the system. He will go right, right along with it. Governor Mike Nospine has proven to be a weaselly little coward for the entirety of his, his uh, governorship. His entire gubernatorial run, he has been just a weak-willed. He exported the decisions on what to do in the face of COVID to a left-wing abortion doctor named Amy Acton. And then stood there as she ran the state into the ground. Crushing an entire generation of school children and their educations. Crushing thousands upon thousands of Ohio businesses who never recovered. Either went under during COVID, or tried to come back after COVID and their restrictions were uh, were uh, re- um, uh, relieved a little bit and, um, and, and operated in the red to the point where they couldn't keep it going. And then some of them have barely kept it going and are still waiting to turn their first profit since 2020. But they're just hanging on with whatever their revenues are and whatever their savings are. Mike DeWine was one of the worst governors in America he was as bad as every, any Democrat governor could have been when it comes to how he treated his people, the businesses, the students, the schools, the employees. Um, he's as, he was as bad, if not worse, than any left-wing Democrat governor was. He was as bad as Andrew Cuomo was. He was as bad as Gretchen Whitmer was. He was as bad as J.B. Pritzker was. He was as bad as Gavin Newsom was. He was as bad as Kate Brown in Oregon was. I mean, do I have to go on? Instead of emulating the likes of Ron DeSantis and and uh, Christy Noem, he emulated the left-wing governors who shut their states down. And in fact, in many ways, led them. He was the first. Remember, he was on, uh, I think he was on the cover of Time Magazine, wasn't he? As America's governor leading the, you know, the shutdown of, uh, of, of his state in order to stop this terrible, deadly virus from, uh, from killing people, uh, you know, by the scores. Mike No Spine is absolutely not going to challenge this. So you better understand something here. Mom and dad, you got kids on their way into school who have to take their regular schedule of vaccines in order to go in. You better be prepared to have them accept a messenger RNA quote-unquote vaccine that's not a vaccine, that is an experimental toxin that screws with your child's developing immunity system. Their immune system is going to be compromised. Make no mistake about it. And for no legitimate reason whatsoever, other than, in my estimation, profit. Profit for the big pharmaceutical cartels like Pfizer and Moderna, which are no better than the Sinaloa cartel or any of the other drug-pushing cartels across the border, and who are now operating on this side of the border thanks to the Brandon policies. But profit for them and profit for anybody that they're greasing in the federal government to allow this to happen. You better come to a realization, Mom and Dad. 
Your kid is going to have to take this unless you put him in a private school that is not dependent upon state dollars or federal dollars. And many of those private schools, by the way, are still going to go out, go along with this and require it. You're going to have to find the right kind of school. You're going to have to find, uh, you know, a, a charter school, maybe somebody that's not reliant upon federal or state funds. Because this is what's going to happen. You're going to have to put your kid in serious jeopardy by putting these shots in the round. This is, and by the way, I've got an article in front of me. <clears throat> there are states that are rejecting this mandatory COVID-19 shots for kids program that is just now, like I said, this was just passed or voted on by the CDC last week. As the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention voted to add the COVID-19 vaccine to the children's recommended list of vaccines for pediatricians, many states are rejecting the recommendation. The Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices unanimously decided on Thursday to add COVID-19 shots to the immunization schedule. However, several states, including Wyoming, the Wyoming Department of Health said it will not be adding the COVID-19 vaccine to school vaccine schedules following the CD recommendations. Wyoming has no plans to pursue adding COVID vaccines to its required list, said the spokesman uh, for, what is this, Oh, Governor Mark Gordon's office, Michael Perlman. The governor has not mandated vaccines for adults or children and believes that COVID-19 vaccination is a personal choice. Republican Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa announced in a tweet that the state would not be taking the CDC's guidance, citing the state's laws against such a measure. That's two. Republican Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt wrote in a tweet on Thursday, regardless of what the CDC says, as long as I am governor, we will never force kids to get a COVID vaccine to go to school. That's three. In Montana, HB 702 prohibits discrimination based on one's vaccination status and applies to all educational opportunities. So says the National Academy for State Health Policy. Indiana law prohibits public school districts from requiring students, employees, and parents from showing proof of COVID-19 vaccinations. West Virginia law says any state entity cannot require proof of COVID-19 vaccinations or enter or to enter or utilize services, including school. So what is that, six or seven? When asked for comment in South Carolina, Governor Republican Governor Henry McMaster referred to the DCNF. Uh, there's some confusion on the CDC COVID-19 vaccine recommendations. He wrote, let me clarify, as long as I'm governor, I will never let the federal government or anyone else force the vaccine on South Carolina school children. That's seven or eight now. Florida, as you can imagine, with Governor DeSantis, is not allowing this. In Mississippi, schools are prohibited from requiring students to get COVID-19 vaccines in order to attend school. Arkansas prohibits vaccine passports included as a condition for education. Arizona law keeps the COVID-19 vaccine from being required in order to attend school. The CDC and governor's offices for Wyoming, Florida, Arkansas, Arizona, Georgia, Mississippi, West Virginia, Montana, Indiana, and Oklahoma did not immediately respond to the Daily Caller's request for comments, but those are their policies. Now, why did I list all of those? Because I kept waiting to stumble across the word Ohio, and I would be waiting forever. You will never, and ev- almost, I think every one of those states are Republican governed. I think every one of those states have a Republican governor. I'd have to go back and check, but I'm pretty sure. We've got a Republican governor, and Ohio will never be included on such a list because our governor is Governor No Spine, the weaselly, weak willed, widow 
Napoleon, that is Mike DeWine, will never do what's right for Ohio school children. So friends, you better be prepared. Pull your kids, find a homeschooling situation, find a homeschool um, co-op that you can join, get a bunch of different parents from a particular neighborhood and uh, you know split up the cost of school tutors who can actually teach your kids in your homes. Do what you have to do to keep them out of these indoctrination centers. They're trying to poison their minds, and now they're trying to make it mandatory to poison their bodies. I welcome your thoughts at 216-901-0945. Right back. All right, hey, friends, Bob France here once again. You know, I, I don't know what to do with the weather, man. It was in the 40s last week. It was in the 70s over the weekend. It's going to be in the 70s in the early part of this week. Windows open, windows closed, windows open, windows closed. I don't know what to do. 